Welcome to the Coastline Podcast. We exist as a church to help connect you to God and the people around you, to help you grow in your faith, and to challenge you to go into your community sharing the love of Christ. Three things, connect, grow, go. If you'd like information on what is going on at Coastline, follow us on Instagram and Facebook, or email us at hello at coastlinensb.com. Um, so yeah, so today I'm excited because we're in part three. We're actually going to be wrapping up this series today uh, called Relationship Goals. Uh, next week, we're ca- starting a brand new series called Stand uh, that you don't want to miss. Uh, man, invite some friends and some family to come up to. It's going to be uh, on our leading weeks right up going into the Easter season. So we're super pumped about that. But this week, I'm finishing up this series called Relationship Goals. Now, um, you know, we've all set relationship goals in our own lives, right? Whether we're dating or we're married to someone, right? We've got some goals that we've set of like, okay, well, well, some of us have fitness goals, right? Erica and I have been, uh, we've been on a fitness challenge the past few months. Uh, between the two of us, we lost 70 pounds, which is a big deal, yeah? So we're killing it, right? So I've, all, I've come from being a fat guy to just being a husky guy. Right, so I'm working my way down. We'll see how it happens, um, but yeah. So that's that's been a it's been a fun uh, adventure, fun relationship goal for us. Uh, some of us uh, set goals financially, right? Uh, some of some of you guys have goals that are like, man, it would be great if we could save up uh, a year's worth of pay. We have not hit that that financial goal yet, but we're working towards that. That'd be fun too, uh, right? And then other of us have family goals. Right, you want to raise your family to be a specific way. You want to have a specific amount of kids and stuff like that. You've got you've got goals for your relationship. Some of you guys, your goal is to start a family, right? To find Mr. Right or Mrs. Right uh, and start that that family with them. You have relationship goals, and so we've been looking at during the season of love, specifically in February. How do we find out what our goals specifically should be when it comes to followers of Christ? When it comes to starting a relationship or being in a relationship or starting our marriage or, or being in a marriage that's been going on for 25, 30, even fit, some of us 50 years, how do we continue to pursue godly relationship goals? And so on week one, we talked about being Christ-centered, how when it comes to uh, finding who the one is, it's not necessarily about that person who is the one, but it's that person about who understands uh, together you guys serve someone else, and it's Jesus Christ. He is the one that's number one. And so we talked about some, there's many ways that you can continue to live a life that is Christ-centered with your spouse or with your boyfriend uh, or your girlfriend. Uh, you can go to church together, right? You can join a circle group or a Bible study together. Uh, but the biggest one we talked about was simply as, as prayer. Praying together is a big deal and continues to, to strive relationship to be uh, Christ-centered. Last week, we talked about staying united. That's a relationship goal that Erica and I have. No matter what, we want to stay united. And we specifically talked about how the difference between, you know, I I use this visual of the word united and the word untied, right? They're easy to get mixed up. And the only difference between the word united and the word untied is the position of I. Where am I at in this? So when it comes to our relationship, a lot of times uh, to stay united, we have to take uh, the step and understand, like, we are the one that can change. We're the one that can have an effect positively on this relationship. We want to stay united. Today, uh, I want to uh, challenge us with the goal uh, of to staying uh, or to, to be course correcting. Look at your neighbor and say course correcting. 
course correcting. You know, many of us, we don't, uh, we don't have marriages right yet. We're still working on it. But I think a big part in having success and us living out these relationship goals is we, or we need to have a relationship goal that is we're okay with living a life that is course correcting. We've constantly got to be finding what is the right path. But as I was studying this week, I started to look and see, you know, what, what are some main people that we know, some people that we connect with uh, that maybe have it right? You know, maybe he, the, these people are like the greatest couples of all time, okay? So I started to do some research and thinking, and uh, the first one I came up with uh, was Sandy and Danny, right? What about these guys from Greece, right? You remember them? I mean, I'll remember them. Some of you guys, this was like your life. You're like, oh, yeah, need one of those leather jackets. This thing got to look hot. So get a pack of cigarettes rolled up in that sleeve. My, my sleeves are too tight for that. But, but yeah, Dan, uh, Sandy and Danny, right, greatest, one of the greatest couples of all time. Uh, what about Jack and Rose? Some of us, yeah, Jack and Rose. Although it's like scientifically proven. There was plenty of room on that door. They could have both survived. I don't know what that was all about, but come on now. Come on. Uh, of, of my gener- or of, of probably anyone's generation, right now, probably the, most, the greatest couple of all time that I can think of is these guys right here, right? Jim and Pam. Oh, we love Jim and Pam. If you don't love Jim and Pam, we're going to pray for you. God needs to soften your heart. So they are sweet. And then probably my favorite Definitely greatest couple of all time, the one I connect with or want to connect with the most is these guys right here, French fries and Frosty. My goodness, if I wasn't on a diet, I'm going to tell you right now, French fries and Frosty, great pairing. If you haven't done it, try it. Give it a shot, okay? I know it's weird, so if this is not you, maybe Oreos and milk are your, your thing, but... Um, but we all want to get it right, right? We all, I'd love, my goal is with Erica, I would love one day to get to the point where, where our relationship, we are connected and we are one of the greatest couples of all time. We got a lot to work on before then. I, I got a lot to work on before then. But that's, I believe that's what we all want, right? I would love to, at the end of the day, at the end of my life, to be uh, just completely Old, I say gray-haired, but I'm going to be bald, I'm sure, because I'm losing it already. Uh, old and bald and, and ugly or whatever and whatever, but still just incredibly in love with you uh, because we've set these relationship goals to follow Christ and put him first and stay united. And no matter what, to be course-correcting. And so I was thinking about this idea of being course-correcting this past week, and uh, uh, I, I realized, I thought back to a, a sentence I had said in this past uh, my past message, which I actually need to apologize for because I was, I was incredibly incorrect. Last week, I used a sentence, and I, I, said, I said something to the extent of the divorce rate in today's day and age is at, all, at an all-time high. I think it was either that or something like you know, the divorce rate continues to go up or, or something like that. And uh, no one fact-checked me. It was just one of those things that, like, you know, I, I found out, I realized that, that's actually not the truth. Divorce rate is not at an all-time high, which is weird because I'm, I'm like, the way that I feel about life and how I connect with people and talk about their relationships and what the temperature I see in our church and our community tells me on the inside that that, that division, that, that, that area of struggle in, in, in many relationships and marriages is still there. It's still ramp, running rampant. 
But when you do the research, you see that actually the divorce rate in America for the past decade has, on, has been on a steady decline. And it's some of the lowest it's ever been. Now, just so we're clear, that's not because of anyone's political whatever. No one, no one caused that. The reason that why that is is because as you continue to study that, you think, man, okay, it's, at, it's at the one of the lowest it's ever been. But if you do some more study and you realize that it's the lowest it's ever been per 1,000 people because the, the rate of marriage has decreased almost just as significantly. So in the past 10 years, as, as the divorce rate had, had been up high and it has kind of started to, to the steep downward spiral, this downturn, if you were to look at also the study of, of the rate of marriage in America, it has followed that same path. And I can't help but think it's because people have experienced pain in it. They've seen people uh, get, have, have pain. They've seen people be hurt because of marriages. There's many more people here today that have decided to, like, not get married or just, you know, we're going to live life together. We're going to cohabitate. We're going to maybe some people even we're going to have a family together. But when it comes to marriage, we're just, um, we don't know if we're ready for that. I'm not, I'm not ready for that. Now, real quick, let me stop. Hold on a second because I, I think as I say that, some people here today, you could be getting offended or you could, you could be getting, like, a feel, start, like, some shame or some pain or something. And I want to tell you, that's, that's not what this message is about today. I'm not at any point trying to make you feel uncomfortable or, or put you down or anything like that. Uh, I, I think the reason that if, if you find yourself in that situation where that's what you've decided for right now, a lot of the reason is because culture today says that that's okay. Culture says that it's, it's okay to live that type of lifestyle, to, 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 to practice uh, this, this marriage-type things but not fully engage into this committed relationship. That's, that's culturally acceptable. Like, no one, you ask anyone on the street, and no one's going to get mad at you for that or, you know, even look at you poorly or anything because the culture in today says that's just how things are done. I did some more research, and, and actually it was even bigger than, than why I anticipated. Something like 60% of people, when polled uh, by a, a leading poll organization, they said that more than 60% of the people have said that they either have or are currently cohabitating and living with someone else before marriage. That's the culture that we live in today. But, but here's, here's the tension that I have with that. And again, this is not to put anyone down. I, I don't know if, as followers of Christ, if we can let our culture be the thing that sets the, sets the standard for how we should live. I think, that, I think that Jesus has called us to more than that. I think that, that like, let's talk about culture, just the, 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 the grand scheme of culture itself. Like, I, I don't know if where we're living nowadays, I would judge that as successful. But I think that the plan that Jesus has for us and, and, and what God's original plan was for us uh, is a, a, a great way to achieve success when it comes to our relationship with our, our significant other or our husband or our wife. And I think that culture is something that Jesus has had uh, not trouble with but has had to have a, a positive impact on and try to change and turn to, be, uh, to get the, the, the course corrected He's trying to, tried to change the, the, the course to the correct way for many years. 
even when he was back here on this earth. In Matthew chapter 19, verse 3 through 8, we see where Jesus actually has this, this uh, teachable moment with these other Pharisees. Uh, and specifically this time we read this, it says, some Pharisees came to him to test him. Now this is funny because I feel like a lot of the times these Pharisees, they come to Jesus to like trip him up or to get him to say something wrong, right? These guys would have known the law inside and out. They, they would have been smart guys. You were not a Pharisee, uh, which Pharisee at that time, just so you know, wasn't like a neg- in negative context. A Pharisee was just someone who was the defender of the faith. And to defend the faith, you had to know the faith. So these guys would have been knowledgeable, very smart men. But they came to Jesus to test him. And they asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife and for any, or for any and every reason? They come to him and say, is it, is it lawful? Is it okay for a man to divorce his wife for, for any reason? Now, this was one of those questions that they already knew the answer to. They understood what the law and the way it read. But this is what Jesus says. Rather than, than reading the, the current law or quoting them the current law, he goes back to what God said in the book of Genesis. We, Genesis, and we've been talking about this um, for the past couple of weeks. He says this, he says, haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning the creator made the male and female, and he said, for this reason a man will leave his father and his mother and, his, and will be united to his wife, and the two will become one. Then he added to the answer. He continued on. He said, therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. He goes back back to Genesis and a passage that they would have all read. It would have been one of the earliest uh, uh, textual readings that they would have learned when they were going through uh, whatever classes they had to become a Pharisee or to be a rabbi. They, They would have known this inside and out. He says, God said the two will be united into one. He says, if God said it, then let no one separate what God has joined together, which is a big deal. But they continued to challenge him. They didn't stop there. They went on. They said, why then, they asked, did Moses command that a man give his wife a certificate of divorce and send her away? Jesus replied, Moses permitted you to, do, to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. But it was not this way from the beginning. Here Jesus goes back. He says, you know what? Moses said that because at some point the culture that you lived in changed. The culture, the culture shifted. Because of hardened hearts, because as he's, he's referring back to the Old Testament days, he's saying because the people's hearts were hardened about this specific subject, Moses allowed for the culture to be changed. But when it comes to success and a a marriage, the way that God wants it, he says, well, God has joined together. Let no man separate. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4 says this. It says, marriage should be honored by, uh, wait, does it say, well, that's a different version. In the NIV, oh, this has been going the whole way. Time hasn't. Sorry, TJ. I gave you the NIV. For everyone else who is reading on the screen, that's my bad. You're doing a great job, buddy. I am totally messed this one up. In the NIV version, it says, marriage should be honored by all, and the marriage bed should be kept pure. Marriage should be honored by all. You know, if you break down that word, that word all in the Hebrew, you know what it means? All. 
This is marriage. No matter, and he's saying at this time, this is, he's saying marriage should be honored by all, everyone. Whether you're in a marriage or not in a marriage, whether you're young or old, male or female, whoever you are, marriage is something that should be honored by all. And he goes on, he says, the marriage bed should be kept pure. Specifically there, he's talking about connecting intimately. I believe it was something that God created, and God created it to happen purely between uh, a husband and a wife for the purposes of connecting. But where we're at today, our culture doesn't meet what God has designed. And so how do, we, how do we make that, how do we change that? How do we expand that gap? Again, today is not about for you to feel bad about where you're at. But I think an important relationship goal for all of us, whether you are currently married or in a relationship, should be your willingness to course correct. If at some point you think you're off the path, you're off where you should be, or you're off of the direction of where you should be going, it's okay, but don't keep going that same way. Make the correction, course correct. I believe specifically there's three views of marriage that the world has today, that our culture has today, three specific uh, ways that they see how marriages should be or generalities about what marriage is. The first one, the first view that they have is a very casual view of marriage. Look at your neighbor and say casual. The casual view of marriage is something like this. You know, some people think, you know what, I'm gonna, I might get married one day. I don't, um, I might not get married one day. I'm going to, I might kind of, kind of go with the flow, right? I'm going to let life happen. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to really worry about it, right? I'm going to casually, casually date and connect with people. Uh, you know, I'm going to kind of just, you know, work it out, right? I'm going to, it's, it's, the world says it's okay to casually do this, and so I'm just going to go with it, right? I'm going to connect intimately with people and, and, and do things that, that, you know, married people are, are supposed to be doing. We're going to, at some point, we might even take the step of, you know, sharing with some financial obligations, right? Because it's, it's cheaper for two people to take care of uh, the, the financial uh, obligations uh, as, as a couple than it is for one. That's just smart money, right? For many of us, for some people that say, you know, I'm going to casually, you know, take the next step and we might get together and, and live life together and cohabitate because it just, it's very easy for us to see one another and connect with one another and just, it's way easier to, to make this jump, we're just going to kind of casually go about it. The problem with this casual view of relationships or the casual view of marriage is this, is, is we get into this habit of we take these steps of, okay, we're going to connect intimately. Okay, we're going to share in some financial op- obligations. Okay, we're going to kind of move in together. And then at some point it does not, because, because it might not work out or things don't work out, there's no commitment. And so what we say is, this, okay, since this is just casual and this isn't working out, we're just going to, we're going to step away. And then we take all the things that we have and we move on to the next relationship and we go through the same cycle over and over and over again. The issue with that, though, is, is after two or three times of that, what happens is, is we t- then turn around and we find you know, Mr. or Mrs. Wright, the person that, that we're like, oh, my gosh, this is the person I want to spend the rest of my life with. This person is perfect. They're my exact opposite. They match me. They're exactly what I wanted in a wife or a husband. This is the person. And so we get into this relationship. We do things the right way. We get married. But unfortunately, because all along the way, we've practiced things that married people do. But we've also, we didn't even know it, but we practiced divorce 
because we connected our hearts and then we stepped away. We connected our hearts and we stepped away. We connected our hearts and we stepped away. Then when it comes time to this relationship that we really care for, we've, we've practiced stepping away so much that it's easier to just do that than the course correct. It's the problem with this casual view of what marriage should be. I want, to, I want to challenge you with this. And one of my board guys, I'm not going to take credit for it. One of the board guys told me about it today, or, uh, this past week. We had a meeting. He said, he, I'm not even sure where he heard this. But he said, specifically when he was dating, he heard a pastor tell him, he said, are you being the person, the person that you're looking for is looking for? Are you living a life the person you are looking for is looking for? I think that's pretty profound because it forces you to assess where you're at, where you're at right now. Back to the, the part of untied and united. The position of I matters a lot. So one view that we have of marriage, some people, is uh, a very casual, very casual view. The second one uh, is a contractual view. Right, we go and we have this uh, this mentality of okay, we're gonna sign on the dotted line, we're gonna get married, and we are together. And there's obligations, and there's responsibilities, and there's liability, and there's a little bit of risk, but it's all right because we have a piece of paper that says we're married, which I'm gonna tell you right now means absolutely nothing. I um I uh, I'm making this transition right now from uh, you know for a long time I've had kind of like two jobs I've. Uh, been pastor at Coastline. I've also been a property manager, and as Coastline continues to grow, I'm, you know, just I'm dumping the property management thing and just focus on what God's called me to do. But um, in that time, I've learned a lot. One of the things I've had to learn is how to write a contract, which is not fun to do at all. But there's there's a whole lot of purpose in a contract, right? There's a whole lot of good things that come from a contract because specifically a contract is written around this mutual idea of distrust, right? It's supposed to help, it's supposed to help limit uh, the, uh, the responsibility, right, and protect the rights of the people that are in the contract. Eric and I, we have a contract with uh, Honda, right, because we, we uh, financed a, a van, a minivan, right? Honda doesn't trust us, right, at all. Say, oh, Mr. Nichols, you seem like a dude, but we're going to need to have this contract that says you're going to pay us every month for that Honda vehicle. So that's what we do. We have a contract as well that said that for a certain amount of time, you know what, we don't trust you. This car could break down, but you're going to take care of it within a certain amount of time. Because the contract's specifically written around this mutual idea of distrust. For us to view our marriages and our relationships that same way, that marriage is this contract where this person then has to, has to live up to uh, these obligations, or this person has got to live up to expectations. You know what? The unfortunate thing is people mess up. People are not perfect. So what happens when that person that you have this contract with doesn't live up to it? Typically what happens to the person that views a marriage as a contractual, uh, in a contractual way is their separation. You didn't live up to your end, so I'm out peace. There's a lot of pain and hurt in the world today because of this specific view. The third way to uh, view a marriage um, is covenantal. Uh, if, 
covenantal is is based out of the word covenant, and it's not a use that we a word that we use every day. And if I were to put it in like layman's terms, you know, the closest thing we have to it is probably the word promise, but it's not even close to the, like the actual meaning, because a promise is a promise is easily broken. But when it comes to uh, a covenant in the Old Testament day specifically, a covenant was a huge deal. It was bigger than a contract. It was bigger than a promise. It was bigger than, than anything else. It was this specifically this core feeling and meaning that when these two people engage into this covenant, it is binding until its completion. Specifically, covenants weren't just used in marriage. They were actually used in, in even agreements. And one of the things that happened, which this is going to get a little... Um, a little bit gross, for a little, but just stick with me. I promise you I'll come back around. But in the Old Testament, uh, one of the things that happened with covenants was the two people coming into the covenant, this, this uh, agreement with one another, whether it was businessmen or whatever, they would actually uh, bring this, this bull to be sacrificed. And as they would walk around the bull these the specific seven times, at some point during the ritual, that bull would actually be cut in half and then given to each of the parties. And what they were saying when this happens, aren't you guys glad that we don't do this in today's day and age? So thankful for contracts. Um, but what they were saying is, is, they were saying, if I don't live up to my end of, of this covenant, let this be what happens to me. I'm going to live out this covenant to the very end. It was this ultimate agreement. It cost something, there was a sacrifice that was involved. Something had to be paid. And it was this binding agreement forever. For, for weddings in the Old Testament, they didn't cut bulls in half or anything. But specifically, what would happen is the two couples would come together. And the person doing the, the, the ceremony at some point would, would just very lightly nick or cut the palm of each individual of the husband-to-be and the wife-to-be, and they would then put their hands together and it would be wrapped around one another. And as the, the, the connection happened, as the blood would happen, as, as even the marriage was consummated later, there would be a celebration afterwards because of these two coming together and becoming one. And they knew that at that point, what God had said was going to come together, no one should separate. This idea of covenantal marriage is, is what every day I wake up and I hope to live with my wife. Because ultimately, you know, it's not about us having this casual relationship. Because that doesn't work. It's not about me trying to get out of her whatever I need and her trying to get out of me whatever I need. What it should be is this mutual agreement, this connection that says is everlasting in which I give of myself and she gives of herself. And together as we lean on one another, we're able to follow Christ at the center of it and live a marriage that is successful. I want to challenge you, wherever you're at, whether you're dating, whether you uh, have a fiance, uh, whether you're married, all of us have problems and issues, and we're struggling through them and trying to work through them. Eric and I, we might post pretty pictures of our kids on Facebook. Hey, we got some cute ones. 
Every now and then we can even pull off a cute picture together. But it doesn't mean we don't have problems. The, the difference is, whatever our view is of our marriage, whatever problem that we have, we're committed that no matter the issue, we are going to work on correcting the course to pursue what God has called us to pursue. And so today I'm not, again, if, if, if you felt conviction about any part of this message, I'm not trying to call you out and say you're living in sin. I'm not going to say your marriage or your relationship's going to fall apart or anything like that. Because I've, 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 I've fallen short. I've messed up. I haven't done even the marriage I have right fully. But today, if you'll make the decision to course correct, to adjust, and pursue a marriage, pursue a relationship the way that God has called you to, I promise you, you will achieve success. This covenantal relationship is what's best because that's what Jesus modeled. You know, some of us, we see this relation, our relationship with Jesus as, okay, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those that I can have a casual relationship with Jesus. I can get together with him and see him on the weekends, but then what happens Monday through Saturday, man, I'm on my own, it's no big deal. I'll come back to church on Sunday. The problem is that casual relationship, it never moves on, it never deepens, it never grows, it becomes stagnant. And ultimately, you'll walk away. Jesus won't ever walk away. Jesus wants more than that for, with you. Some of us, we view this relationship with Jesus as, as a contractual relationship, right? We've made uh, promises in our mind. We say, okay, God, I'll tell you what. If you do this, I'll do this. I'll keep, I'll keep my end. If you give me this, if you give me the person of my dreams, I promise you I will, I will read the Bible every day for a year, right? I will pray every day when I wake up. If you'll do this, the problem is with that, when it comes to the contractual relationship, we never can keep the contract. And what happens is you go and you end up breaking what you said you were going to do, and because of the shame that you feel, you never go back and reapproach Jesus. And there becomes a separation. Jesus doesn't want a contractual relationship with you. He doesn't want a casual relationship with you. He did something a couple thousand years ago because he wants a covenant with you. He has a plan and purpose for your life. If you accept him, you don't have to live in shame or sin or the consequences of sin any longer. He, already paid, he paid the price. He was the sacrifice. There was blood, sweat, and tears that went into it, and he gave of himself because he loves you. And so today, with every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around, if you're here and you need to course correct in your relationship with Jesus, maybe there's been something off, maybe you took a wrong turn down the way, maybe at some point you viewed it as contractual and you messed up and, you, and you've, never got, you've not gotten back or not gotten back to where you should be. Maybe you're here today and your relationship with Jesus has been casual, it's just been kind of hit or miss. But today you feel the urge and the push where he, he's calling you back to a real relationship, a true relationship, an everlasting relationship, a covenant with him. And today, you need to course correct and start pursuing him and what he wants. If that's you, if you say, Jesus, I want to course correct and continue to follow you and take my next steps in you. If that's you, I just want you to raise a hand up or put it right back down.
Jesus, you've seen all the hands that are going up all over this place, even right now. People that know they need to make a change. I pray that today would be the starting point at the next level of relationship with you. I pray that even as they raise their hands, God, that, that your Holy Spirit would show them the changes that need to be made. God, that they would not feel shame for their weakness, but they would realize that you've already paid the price for it. That they would see the freedom it is to follow you and pursue what you've called them to. I thank you for the success that they're going to see as they walk with you each day. And Jesus, with every relationship that is here, from the people that are dating, the people that are married, people that might be divorced, people that are separated, people that are single, God, I pray that you would show us how to course correct in our own, rela- our own relationships. Allow us to take a, an honest view, an honest assessment of who we are, Are we being the person, the person that we want, wants? Are we doing the things that that a good husband and a good wife should? Show us the next steps we should take. And I pray that for all the things that we're short on, God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would come in and make it work out. Some of us, God, I know we're not smart. I pray that the Holy Spirit will show us the steps that we should take, the next steps. And I pray for unity in marriages across Coastline Church. Continue to have your way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As always, Coastline, know that you are loved and that the best is yet to come.